When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Trump is creating major disruption at the NATO summit in Brussels. Can an alliance that was founded to defend against the Soviet Union and the Warsaw Pact survive? The leaders of the UK, France, and Germany have very low approval ratings. Are the globalists being routed from power in Western Europe? And on his way to Brussels, Trump ordered an additional $200 billion in tariffs on China. With these stories and more from a nationalist perspective, I'm Jim Dawes, and this is America First Radio's Daily Brief. Thanks for joining us. I've got a great program announcement. Uh, I mentioned it yesterday, but uh, we are now being carried on the Mojo 5.0 radio station on the Dash Radio Network. So uh, you'll be able to download the app. Uh, and listen to it on your phone or in your car. Dash Radio, commercial-free and uh, and on-demand. So um, uh, check us out there. We're also um, carrying on this conversation all the time. You can find us on Twitter at AmFirst Radio and friend us on Facebook at America First Radio with Jim Dawes. So you can weigh in on the conversation, share it with your friends, and get early notifications as soon as these shows are posted online. And America First Radio is proudly carried on the Talk America radio network, the new dominant force in conservative talk radio. And you can listen to their live feed 24-7 at talkamericaradio.us. But if you miss a broadcast, you can always listen on demand on your favorite podcast directory or at our website at americafirstradio.com. Well, you know, watching this uh, spectacle over in Brussels uh, at the new NATO headquarters building, have you seen this thing? Uh, it's, um, it's, uh, their shiny new NATO $2 billion headquarters. I think the architects, uh, sort of, uh, tried to take a cue from our Pentagon in that it is built, um, in, in, a, in an expansive way. So the Pentagon is a series of, um, of, uh, what's the word? Hot, hot, hec- hectagon? Not sure the the five sided Pentagon, and actually it's Pentagon dummy, um, and this uh, this NATO headquarters is uh, sort of like a cascading, offset uh, bunch of um, of uh, barrel shaped roofs. Uh, the the telling thing about this architecture, though, is that the new two billion dollar NATO headquarters, uh, designed to be the command and control for the military alliance to protect Europe is made out of glass. So we're to believe that these people fear Russia as an existential threat, but they're so stupid that they uh, constructed their new command and control center for NATO out of glass. Clearly, they're they're not serious about uh, actually fearing an invasion from Russia. Uh, this what what NATO has become is just a uh, an entrenched, calcified, bureaucratic uh, jobs program for the elite. They're happy to have the United States continuing to foot the the tab for this. We contribute, I think, it's seventy percent of the uh, the operation operational funding for NATO. And uh, and uh, you know. Uh, President Trump, as a businessman, recognized the the inequity in this arrangement right away, and he uh, he's pushing back upon it. And I can tell you that the establishment forces, uh, both in Europe and the United States, don't like it one little bit because uh, you know they really don't mind taking the American taxpayer for a ride and make putting us on the hook for the defense of Europe because. Uh, you know, they get to, um, to 
have these bureaucratic jobs where, you know, they're feted and dined and, uh, um, you know, allowed to get fat and happy off of, uh, off of the American largesse. Certainly the European countries don't, don't mind allowing the United States to pay for their national defense uh, because that way they can take the funds that they would normally have to pay for their own defense and, uh, and provide it uh, to their voters in the form of generous welfare benefits, socialized medicine, and 30 days guaranteed vacation every year. <laughs> and as Trump said in Montana, and we're the schmucks that get to uh, pay the bill. But uh, the, the, the whole NATO um, summit uh, began uh, with a breakfast wherein uh, the president pointed out that uh, while we're paying for the defense of Germany, which is a, a wealthy, uh, advanced industrial economy, while we're paying supposedly to protect them from the Russian threat, they're in fact uh, inking deals with Russia to provide, uh, when it's all said and done, about 70% of Russia's energy requirements through a new pipeline that they're constructing through the Black Sea from Germany to Russia uh, and, and at the same time bypassing these smaller um, Balkan countries that are uh, also dependent on Russian energy. And all of this is one big kabuki theater in order to keep from having to to acknowledge the reality that the Soviet Union and the Warsaw Pact collapsed 25 years ago and there is no, no longer a, a threat that justifies uh, the, these huge expenditures uh, that NATO is making. The Europeans understand that. That's why they're not contributing 2% of their GDP. But uh, in the United States, we've got this entrenched military-industrial uh, 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 complex, and uh, we're paying almost 4% of our GDP. But here is Trump at this breakfast uh, in, uh, in Brussels with um, the, uh, the UN Secretary Stoltenberg, General Secretary Stoltenberg. I think he's, I think he's German. Uh, but pointing out this uh, the situation with this German pipeline to Russia. I think uh, it's very sad when Germany makes a massive oil and gas deal with Russia where you're supposed to be guarding against Russia and Germany goes out and pays billions and billions of dollars a year to Russia. So we're protecting Germany, we're protecting France, we're protecting all of these countries. And then numerous of the countries go out and make a pipeline deal with Russia where they're paying billions of dollars into the coffers of Russia. So we're supposed to protect you against Russia, but they're paying billions of dollars to Russia. And I think that's very inappropriate. And the former chancellor of Germany is the head of the pipeline company that's supplying the gas. Uh, ultimately, Germany will have almost 70% of their country controlled by Russia with natural gas. So you tell me, is that appropriate? I mean, we've, I've been complaining about this from the time I got in. It should have never been allowed to have happened. But Germany is totally controlled by Russia because they were getting from 60 to 70 percent of their energy from Russia and a new pipeline. So, you know, so much for this uh, this notion that uh, Trump is being uh, overly solicitous uh, to Russia. Um, you know, the, the whole notion that uh, the, the Russians preferred Hillary Clinton over Donald Trump was uh, absurd to begin with because Russia's really only for, uh, source of foreign currency is the, the sale of uh, petroleum and natural gas. And Hillary Clinton was, uh, you know, uh, beholding to this climate change religion uh, and promising to keep America's uh, petroleum and natural gas reserves into the ground, while Donald Trump was, uh, you know, saying that uh, it was a giant con job and that he was going to unleash America's energy sector. And that's exactly what he did. And it is, it is uh, severely um, degraded um, German, Germany's uh, ability to sell 
its petroleum products on the market because uh, the United States is now a net exporter of, of energy. But the president is absolutely right to point out that, uh, you know, after this, this pipeline is in place and fully functional, I think one of the two pipelines is already flowing, uh, that, that this will effectively make Germany um, a captive to the Russian energy sector. So at the same time, we're spending these hundreds of billions of dollars in order to provide this defense umbrella over Germany and station, stationing tens of thousands of U.S. soldiers in Germany, this relic from the Cold War, Germany is, is, is recognizing that the Cold War is over, taking advantage of our um, foolishness and, uh, and inking deals to get their uh, energy requirements through this Nord Stream 2 pipeline. So it's going to, this, uh, this pipeline bypasses the Baltic coast. It bypasses Poland. It bypasses Ukraine. It's doubling the amount of, uh, natural gas that Russia sends directly in, uh, to Germany. It's been opposed by the United States and a few other EU nations from the beginning. But, uh, but Trump is, you know, he, um, he doesn't speak in these hushed diplomatic behind closed door ter uh, terms. He, uh, he, he brings these matters up transparently so that people can make their own judgment and determination. And to be quite frankly with you, I think that it is eroding, uh, the, the public support in this country for NATO. And there is, um, there's good reason for the erosion in that support because this NATO uh, alliance is really a relic of the Cold War. It, it needs to be replaced by some sort of uh, common defense of Europe. The United States taxpayers should not continue to have to fund this. we got to run out to a break. We'll talk more about the NATO summit right after these messages on America First Radio. that I experienced in person when a part of Germany was controlled by the Soviet Union. I am very happy that today we are united in freedom and that we can therefore also say that we determine our policies independently and can make independent decisions, and that is good. Well, well you can make in independent decisions until you're reliant on Russia for 70% of your energy supplies. And then you're going to have to, uh, to take into account what they think about it because they're going to have, uh, the tap at the other end of that pipeline. I was really surprised when Merkel pointed out that, uh, you know, she has lived under the, uh, the Soviet, um, uh, heel back during the cold war because during that time, Angela Merkel was the propaganda agent for the communist youth league. Um, and you know, she was able to keep that secret until, uh, about last year when photos of her marching around in her, her, uh, Soviet era uniform came to light. I, I know people, you know, should not be, uh, 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 captive to their past entirely, but it might have been, uh, something that the, uh, the voters in Germany, uh, wanted to consider before they made her, um, you know, their, uh, their uh, prime minister, is she the president or prime minister? Chairman, anyway. So President Trump exposed this morning in a really just uh, unvarnished way in front of millions and millions of American viewers how the Europeans have been milking the United States for protection against Russia while at the same time they've been given, giving billions of dollars for oil and gas from that same supposed enemy an existential threat to Europe. 
And, and Trump's not the first U.S. president to bring this up to the European allies, but he is the first one that seems determined to actually do something about this. So Trump's critics are contending that he's in Putin's pocket. Well, how do they explain the fact that Trump is pulling the, the curtain back on this uh, incestuous relationship with the so-called existential threat there in, uh, in Europe? Russia put, produces almost nothing competitive on the world markets except for its energy exports. And Trump is absolutely hammering them on that. So you see these, uh, you know, these uh, editorial cartoons that uh, show um, Trump in bed with Putin. Nothing could be further from the truth. The fact of the matter is uh, Trump is placing a knife uh, at uh, at Russia's ribs, and um, and is uh, is is really striking at the heart of their uh, their viability. Now, I'm not advocating that. I think that we missed a historic and singular opportunity that when we didn't successfully bring Russia into the uh, the sphere of uh, Western democracies. When instead of uh, seizing on our, the fruits of the Cold War victory, George H.W. Bush uh, caved to the pressures from the military-industrial complex and pushed um, NATO's membership right up to Russia's borders after, uh, after the United States promised they would not do that. So I... I I'm glad to see the president pressure our, our NATO allies to uh, start increasing their defense spending to what's required, uh, what they committed to when they joined NATO. I have no problem at all with him pointing out uh, the, that our friends are not keeping up their end of the bargain. And at the same time, I also hope that when he meets with um, Vladimir Putin, in Helsinki next week, that uh, that he finds some common ground, so that the United States can get the hell out of Syria, and uh, and that he can secure some commitments that they will, if to the extent they're actually doing it, stop interfering in uh, in other people's elections. At the same time, we're going to have to give him some uh, guarantees of doing that ourselves, as a matter of, uh, because. It was, in fact, our CIA and State Departments that conducted a coup that toppled the duly elected, democratic, um, democratically elected government in the Ukraine, which, of course, uh, ended up prompting the um, uh, Russia's re-annexation because Russia ha had, for the longest time, uh, been controlling the Crimea. But it prompted the, their re-annexation of the Crimea so that they could maintain access to their one deep water naval port. So uh, Trump is, uh, is uh, insisting that they increase their spending to the required 2% and they are screening, screaming bloody murder. So if you go back 10 or 20 years, you'll just add it all up. It's massive amounts of money is owed. Uh, the United States has paid and stepped up like nobody. This has gone on for decades, by the way. This has gone on for many presidents, but no other president brought it up like I bring it up. And so something has to be done, and the Secretary General has been working on it very hard. This year, since our last meeting, commitments have been made for over $40 billion, more money spent by other countries. So that's a step, but it's a very small step. It sounds like a lot of money, and it is. But it's a very small amount of money relative what, to what they owe and to what they should be paying. And it's an unfair burden on the United States. So it is an unfair burden on the United States taxpayer. It's long since past we do something about it. If, if they want to renegotiate and, de and decide that uh, no Russia really isn't an existential threat as we've been describing it, we should all, including the United States, reduce uh, our support for NATO. As a matter of fact, uh, the truth of the matter is, NATO as a defense alliance, a uh, good argument can be made uh, that they they are obsolete. 
if Europe wants a common defense alliance against Russia or anybody else, uh, they should do that within their, their own borders of the European Union. The truth of the matter is, Europe has a population seven times that of Russia and a GDP ten times that of Russia. They are, they are perfectly capable of providing for their own defense. And, uh, and the United States can come home and stop, stop playing policemen of the world. Here's a uh, clip from Nigel Farage talking about this issue. The president's not being tough on the issue. The president is merely quoting the rules of the club. To be part of NATO, you've got to spend 2% of your GDP on defense. The fact is there are 29 members of NATO and only six of them are actually paying the membership fee. So the argument is, why should America protect all these countries if they're not prepared to make a fair contribution. I think it's a wholly reasonable argument, but it's set, you see, against the background of the European Union wants to build its own army, its own European army, and Mr Juncker, who heads the European Commission, is saying you only need to pay 1%. So what you're going to hear in the next 48 hours are various European leaders saying Trump is threatening the security of people in Europe. The truth is, it's the ambitions of the European project that's doing it. And I believe that the president should be very firm indeed. You know, it's crazy when you look at the numbers because you see the United States at about 3.5%. You guys hit the mark at 2.12. Yeah. We've both got pretty big economies. So we're talking about on a big scale, 35 and 2%. And then you've got all these smaller countries who are just getting the deal of a lifetime, paying maybe 1% of a very tiny GDP to join a club that gets you the backing of militaries that are worth trillions of dollars. I mean, what a sweet deal. And how could anybody not call them out is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's freeloading, isn't it? But it's not just the small European countries that are cheating. Germany, you know, 80 million people, the biggest yeah. country in Europe, and Germany is only paying 1.2%. And I think uh, that President Trump and Angela Merkel uh, need to have a very frank discussion about that. Otherwise, as I say, European countries are freeloading off American taxpayers. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm really uh, becoming more and more of the opinion that the United States needs to pull out of uh, NATO, or, except for maybe, you know, in a, in a placeholder kind of way in case, you know, we ever need to um, uh, coordinate uh, actions anymore, but actually sending troops and deploying uh, resources on the European continent, I think those days are over. I really don't. I, I really don't see any con uh, need for the continuation of that. I don't believe the Europeans see it either. They're just stuck in this um, this status quo that they want to maintain. But if they really believed that Russia was an existential threat to them, I doubt very seriously they would have built their new um, headquarters in Brussels out of glass. That tells me all I really need to know. You know, and I'm sick of hearing all of these people talk about, you know, uh, Trump is a threat to them. Trump is a threat to NATO. Trump is a threat to globalism. He's a threat to the deep state. Trump's a threat to the fake news media. He's a threat to the Democrats and the GOP establishment. You know, he's not the most well-spoken or smooth communicator in the world, but he, he is uh, representing the American people. If you are in the business of screwing Americans and American taxpayers, then Trump is going to call you out. And it's really that simple. And, uh, and we're see it in, seeing it in spades at this meeting over in NATO, and uh, and you'll hear uh, an un unremitting drumbeat of these people saying that uh, you know Trump is uh, destabilizing the world order. Well, it's true he is destabilizing the world order because the world order has been created, especially in the last thirty or forty years, on making America a patsy. When we come back for these messages, we're going to take a look at the current leadership there in Western Europe right after these messages on America First Radio.
one of the things that's uh, be- really becoming quite clear uh, with uh, Trump and his um, his participation in these uh, uh, these international meetings at the G7 and NATO and and other forums is that Trump is an American nationalist. Uh, his primary concern is representing the interests of the American people and the American nation. And anything uh, contrary to those interests, he is going to call out uh, in a very plain and blunt way. He's, he's definitely not very diplomatic. Uh, but while these establishment uh, swamp creatures and these, uh, these globalists like to pretend uh, that Trump is um, you know, a buffoon and, uh, and embarrassing uh, the United States on the global stage, these, uh, these same politicians that they uh, admire and put forward as, uh, you know, the ideal of their globalist uh, uh, leaders have much, much lower approval ratings than Donald Trump. Trump is currently at 49%, despite the fact that he gets almost 100%, uh, let's, let's, let's say 95% negative media coverage. He's at 49%. You contrast that with um, Theresa May in the United Kingdom or Justin Trudeau in uh, Canada or Macron in, uh, in France, and you find that uh, Donald Trump, the supposed buffoon who gets almost universal negative coverage, is much more popular than these globalists. And these globalists, um, I need to add Angela Merkel in there, who's holding on to her government by her fingertips. Theresa May's uh, approval rating is down at 33% because she is uh, totally botching the, uh, uh, the exit from the European Union that the voters in Great Britain voted for. She's, She's uh, slow walking it and dragging her feet and trying to water it down and, and basically defeat it, push it as far out in the future as she possibly can because the globalists want, you know, they want uh, this, this open border uh, Europe. Justin Trudeau in Canada, his, uh, his popularity is down about 35%. That is uh, clearly just a, a realization by the Canadian people that they, they elected a twat to be their prime minister. I mean, it's Trudeau is just, just makes an embarrassment of himself. He, uh, he went over into uh, Latvia to review. They've got about 250 troops. There is a tripwire on the Latvian border with Russia. So he went over there as part of his NATO visit to review the troops. And uh, what a uh, little soy boy you've never seen in your life, uh, just prancing around in his, his little hipster cut um, suit, you know, with his, uh, his um, skinny jean, uh, you know, uh, tight pants. Embarrassing. Emmanuel Macron over in, th- uh, in uh, France is, uh, is hovering just over 30% approval rating. As he floods his country with um, with uh, migrants from uh, from terrorist nations, they're uh, they're bu- busy constructing a uh, a plexiglass blast wall around the Eiffel Tower because France has been totally transformed to a once peaceful homogenous nation to something uh, that that is going to continue to devolve into a uh, very unstable mm, polyglot state. Same can be said for Merkel's Germany, where, uh, where right-wing uh, parties are finally uh, rising to, in order to try to protect the, uh, the nation just from being ruined by the globalists. So when you hear these people talking about Trump you know, uh, is a buffoon, just remember that he's got the good sense uh, to uh, stop representing the interests of this uh, globalist multinational corporation lobby and is, in fact, working uh, to advance the interests of the American people. We're going to talk more about 
uh, what he's doing on the trade front in an upcoming segment. But um, it's really a beautiful thing to watch. Here's Nigel Farage on that same uh, same interview show on Fox where he's talking about Theresa May and what a mess she's made of Brexit. Well, she took over after the referendum as prime minister. You know, we voted to leave the European Union. Mm -hmm. She herself had supported the Remain side. So it was a very odd choice, in a way, for her to become the prime minister. She promised from day one she would deliver the kind of Brexit people had voted for. And what she presented to her cabinet on Friday, frankly, amounted to a betrayal of many of the things that had been promised even in her own general election manifesto. So there's an issue. Uh, Boris Johnson and David Davis have resigned. I believe they're right to do so. Um, I'm now of the view that if she stays as prime minister, we will not get the Brexit we voted for. We will not be able to sign a trade deal with America and other big countries around the world. So what it now needs, it needs 48 Conservative members of Parliament to sign a letter of no confidence, and that would then trigger a big debate within the Conservative Party about whether she can continue or not. My guess, right now, my guess is that the tide is now moving against her. Uh, and I think uh, there's little chance that she'll survive more than a few weeks. And that's what you want. You would love that, right? You'd love her out. I would love her to go. I think she has been utterly duplicitous, dishonest with the British public over Brexit. And I'll be honest with you, I think she's the worst prime minister we've had in my entire lifetime. Don't let that uh, conservative label for uh, Theresa May's party fool you. Uh, the conservative party in the United Kingdom is uh, just a, a, probably a tick to the left of, uh, of Bernie Sanders. Uh, they are um, no longer uh, the party of uh, Margaret Thatcher. They are, uh, in fact, a very globalist party. Uh, open borders kind of um, uh, sellout uh, party for uh, for uh, the uh, Europe or the um, United Kingdom's national interests well as uh, as the president was uh, jetting his way over to Brussels this morning uh, he announced that in response to uh, China's retaliatory um, tariffs that he was going to institute another 200 billion dollars in tariffs on Chinese goods. Uh, actually, he's going to put tariffs on $200 billion of Chinese goods. He's not going to put $200 billion of tariffs on Chinese goods. I hope I made myself clear there. Um, so basically, that's game over. Because uh, the president, you know, in an attempt to bring uh, China to its senses, had put in place about thirty-six billion dollars, or tariffs on thirty-six billion dollars worth of goods, mostly in the way of raw materials and and um, and uh, machinery. In response to uh, China's uh, theft of our intellectual property, to try to get them to behave, and to come to the table and uh, and and agree to. Um, you know, some, uh, some remedial measures. They refused to do that and then, and, 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 uh, implemented 50, uh, tariffs on $50 billion worth of goods themselves. So, uh, Trump just pulled the trigger on two, uh, two, on tariffs on $200 billion, uh, more of Chinese goods, which, uh, basically makes China run out of bullets because, China only exports about $150 billion worth of, of um, I'm sorry, China only imports about $150 billion worth of goods into their economy. So they're, they have run out already of um, retaliation that they can engage in. Now, American businesses are saying, well, they'll probably, you know, uh, um, harass us with further regula regulatory requirements and uh in licensing they'll drag their feet on licensing but they've been doing that all along it's been very difficult to do bit for american businesses to do business in china because of uh because of these um uh these practices all along so china already softened its um it's uh rhetoric rhetoric around this they they filed a uh, an action before the 
uh, before the World Trade Organization, they started uh, making statements that, oh, this was bad, uh, not only for China, but for America, too. Because I think they realized uh, that they had over overplayed their hand. They may have thought that the establishment <clears throat> forces in the United States was going to force Trump to back off the same way that they have forced every other uh, American president to back off before actually doing anything about what's going on. And uh, and as I said uh, yesterday, you know, this this uh, free trade cult that benefits greatly by um, arbitraging for cheap labor. Uh, trading out American high wage labor for uh, for Chinese low wage labor. They have predicted economic Armageddon if uh, if Trump did any of this. None of that has come to pass. As a matter of fact, here's a report uh, from Kevin Kelly. He is a economist about the effect on uh, of these tariffs on the markets, uh, including the equities and the, the bond market. We were down almost a percent. Now we're only down three quarters of a percent. So that's showing that the market is 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 starting to, you know, digest and not. And Mike was bringing it up. There's not this real doom and gloom. Yeah. If we think about what's what's happening, we're still going to see an expansion of the business cycle, and we're not having a leveling issue. And what I mean, we're not going to see a level off in profits, investment, or payrolls, which is typically what happens when a recession comes. So I think the market is actually uh, digesting the whole tariff situation very well the market is digesting the tariff situation it was exactly the right time for the president to take these actions while the american economy was strong and while by the way china's economy is uh is uh weakening because of um you know high debt levels that they have taken on and over over um overheated uh their economy their economy at this point is almost entirely reliant on their exports to the United States, which really puts us in the driver's seat. And, uh, and this, uh, this, um, institution of tariffs on $200 billion of Chinese goods, it's going to be 10% tariffs is going to do two things. One, it's going to get their attention and show them we're not going to be played the patsy anymore. And two, it's going to bring huge amounts of money into the American treasury that will uh, further reduce our deficits. And maybe at some point, if we continue on these policies, allow us to start paying down this uh, this staggering debt that we have run up while at the same time transferring huge, huge amounts of American wealth from the United States to China, which has turned them into a military-industrial superpower that means to displace us in the emerging industry, in the emerging industries and tech and um and um artificial intelligence and and those types of things so uh the the free traders are running around trying to scare the bejesus out of our farmers and uh, our other um, uh, commodity producers but if you just stick to the the plan it will work we're going to run out to a break we'll be right back after these messages on america first radio Well, the meltdown on the left in response to Trump's nomination of of uh, Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court uh, just continues without uh, relief. It is really uh, sort of a primal scream from the left, who realizes that they're about to lose uh, the vehicle that they have used to advance uh, the vast majority of their agenda over. Um, the, the will of the American people. And some of the things that you've seen out of these people that you thought or responsible adults just blows your mind. Terry McAuliffe, former friend of Bill, the, the bag man for the Clintons, who, uh, who is president or uh, who is uh, governor of Virginia now, 
put out a tweet that just blows your mind. It says the nomination of Judge Barrett, Brett Kavanaugh will threaten the lives of millions of Americans for decades to come and morph our Supreme Court into an arm of the right-wing Republican Party. So, if you're going to threaten millions of lives for decades to come, what would be the natural response to that? You know, this is a, a very irresponsible statement for him to make that, uh, that stands a real chance of inciting violence. So, this Judge Kavanaugh, you know, a mild-mannered, meek, conservative, mainstream jurist, volunteers for Catholic charities. He's his parish lector. He coaches his girls' basketball team. But if he gets on the court, he's going to threaten the lives of millions of Americans for decades to come. Patrick Murphy, the uh, senator from Connecticut, was not to be outdone. And he took to Twitter and said, Brett Kavanaugh is a true Second Amendment radical. He believes assault weapon bans are unconstitutional uh, position way out of the judicial mainstream, far to the right of even the uh, late Justice Anthony Scalia, Antonin Scalia. Well, there is nothing um, in the writing of Brett Kavanaugh to, to lead you to that opinion. Other than the fact that he, uh, he, he ruled that, um, that states can't, um, without any justification, infringe upon, uh, upon the citizens' Second, Second Amendment rights. Bernie Sanders uh, called Brett Kavanaugh a reactionary nominee who will rubber stamp the extreme right-wing uh, agenda pushed by corporations and billionaires. You know, old Bernie's always got to go to his um, class resentment. And Bernie Sanders, you know, the last uh, last time he engaged in this sort of overheated, over-the-top rhetoric, one of his campaign volunteers uh, took him at his word and took a, a high-powered rifle with a high-capacity magazine and attempted to commit mass murder on, uh, on GOP congressmen. Nancy Pelosi says, uh, Trump is using this nomination as a destructive tool on a generation of progress for workers, women's, LGBTQIA people, communities of color, and families to radically reverse the course of American justice and democracy. Well, to the extent, I mean, she's right to the extent uh, that so many of these um, activist left-wing judges have used the courts to advance an agenda for the left is going to uh, is going to stop. I guess she's right, but I wouldn't call what uh, what has happened there progress uh, in the American sense of the word. Maybe it's progress in the socialist sense of the word. Here's a, here's a New York assemblyman. His name is Dove Hykend. Uh, he, is, he is a Democrat himself, and he's trying to get uh, his fellow Democrats to grow up and calm down and deal with this, uh, this nomination as it should actually be dealt with. What's going on in the Democratic Party, you would think it's the end of the world, the choosing of this candidate. The Supreme Court will be different. Oh, my God. Can we stop being crybabies in the Democratic Party? Can we stop whining a debate regarding this candidate? That's fine. But the impression that this is the end of the world that American democracy and that our values are being destroyed by this candidate to the Supreme Court, it's outrageous. It's crazy. Can we in the Democratic Party stop this hypocrisy? The president is Trump. It's not Bill or Hillary or Obama. Can we get a life in the Democratic Party and stop behaving like little children? You know, it's not fair, it's not right. Everybody agrees 
that Mr. Kavanaugh is qualified to be on the Supreme Court, that he is of the highest caliber. It's just that we don't like maybe some of his views and maybe some of his rulings. Well, a lot of people didn't like rulings of the Supreme Court when it was very liberal. This is how our system of democracy works. Fellow members of the Democratic Party, can we grow up? Can we stop being crybabies? Can we stop complaining that it's not fair and we're going to stop this? The extreme rhetoric of leaders in the Democratic Party. I mean, Terry McAuliffe is talking about millions of Americans that their lives are at stake because of this choice for the Supreme Court. This extreme rhetoric is dangerous and it undermines American democracy. We Democrats must stop this now. It is very dangerous. It's irresponsible and dangerous. And if it results in uh, something, God forbid, happening to this nominee, the blood will be on the hands of Terry McAuliffe and Bernie Sanders and uh, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and all of these people who, who feel so beholding to their radical left-wing base that they are, they are just um, going way over the top in their rhetoric. The truth of the matter is, this nominee is about as, uh, as run-of-the-mill and middle-of-the-road as a conservative jurist comes. He is, he is no, um, you know, he, he actually, when you look right at it, he's, he's kind of a swamp creature. I think the president um, nominated somebody that was going to get through on this closely divided Senate uh, ahead of these midterms because uh, even, uh, even Murkowski and Collins can't, you know, can't reasonably oppose this pick. It's going to be very difficult for these uh, Democratic senators from red states to oppose the pick. Um, Santorum was on CNN talking about how, you know, this this is not red meat for the, uh, for the Trump supporters, uh, this nomination of Brett Kavanaugh. Well, I think that um, Donald Trump said he was going to energize the base with this pick. I don't think he did that. Uh, I think the, a lot of the folks in the base were, really were sort of torn, turned off to Brett Kavanaugh for the very reasons you heard discussed a few minutes ago. I mean, he's, you know, he's, uh, he is from Washington. He's, he's, uh, he is the establishment pick. He is the Bush pick. Uh, he is someone, I mean, just, you know, his father was a judge. His mother was a judge. He was a, I mean, it's, it's just, it just seems like, you know, Trump in this case just bowed to the elite in Washington. And I think that's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. I don't think no. it's going to be a game changer, but I think it's, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, yeah, let's go get him kind of moment for Trump. No, it's a very middle-of-the-road pick. Uh, it's really going to put um, these red state Democrats on the spot. Ronna, uh, Ronna, Ronna Romney, the, uh, the chair of the Republican National Committee, and niece to uh, Mitt Romney, the presumptive um, a junior senator to be from the great state of Utah, God save us, uh, had this to say about the spot that these red state Dems are on uh, are in on this uh, this vote on Brett Kavanaugh. All these Democrats who are hugging President Trump and telling their voters we'll support the president, they are going to be put to the test because if they will not support a mainstream conservative jurist, they're going to show their voters that they're lying. So they're saying one thing and doing another. John Tester took out a full page ad when President Trump came to Montana saying, I support President Trump on all these issues. I'll work with him. So Hyde Camp, Donnelly, Manchin, Tester, uh, Nelson, 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 they're all going to be put to the test. And and, and this is going to be a, a, a dividing line for them with their voters. You know, um, it's going to be fun to watch this play out. I think it's going to uh, 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 redound to the benefit of the GOP during the upcoming midterm elections. But it's going to be fun to watch. I guarantee you, and I'll predict this now, at some point uh, the Democrats will pull out all the stops and they will try to manufacture some smear campaign, probably based on, uh, on sexual harassment or something like that, uh, and they will try to destroy this man uh, through some smear campaign because they know that the reality of, uh, of the situation is uh, there's no 
legitimate reason to oppose his appointment to the Supreme Court. In the in the just real short time we've got left, I want to bring up the name again, Joseph Mifsud. Now, you may recall that he this is the guy. Uh, he is a, uh, a so-called professor, uh, a longtime CIA operative that met uh, with George Papadopoulos and passed on this information, uh, supposedly that Russia had dirt on Hillary Clinton. And then, uh, and then he was next sent to another longtime CIA operative, um, uh, Stephen Halper, uh, who asked about this information. And then, uh, when um, Papadopoulos uh, admitted that uh, he had been told this, l- launched the investigation uh, into the Trump campaign. Mifsud actually had a court date in uh, Palermo, Italy. He was due in court yesterday. Neither him nor his, uh, his attorney showed up, so he is going to lose this case on a default judgment, and it's going to cost him uh, a lot of money, but he didn't dare show up for a court date if he is still uh, above ground. Well, that takes us to the end of this edition of America First Radio. I want to thank you for joining us. I invite you back here again tomorrow on the Talk America Radio Network and Mojo 5.0. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.